0: I'm looking for similarities in the way troublemakers think. This is Steve St. Clair, co founder of Trouble Group. Join us as we learn from others who are shaking things up. My guest today is Ralph Kaiser, CEO of ICS, that's Integrated Compliance Solutions. Their tagline, I love it the complete seed-to-bank solution. ICS and their subsidiary, Greenlight Payments, are industry leaders in compliance software and innovative, cost-effective merchant payment solutions. In other words, they're troublemakers in what is normally a very conservative sector, finance. Welcome, Ralph.
1: Oh, it's a great pleasure to be here, Steve. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, I'm delighted. You got lit up when you uh, saw the name Trouble Group. I, I love that.
1: I I did I I just love growing up I was known as a troublemaker so when I saw that I chuckled Uh, of course today people use terms like disruptive and 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 the likes of that but to take me back to my childhood caught my attention
0: (laughs) perfect so let's start tell me uh tell me like from that childhood through the careers give me some highlights
1: Well, I'm an investment guy by heart. Uh, I love the markets, I love raising capital and and love to multiply that capital uh, several fold for investors, love growth strategies. Of course, raising capital comes into that aspect of business and love to raise capital for growth by acquisition strategies. So while here at ICS and Greenlight Payments, We have a a phenomenal team that have focused on banking and have focused on payments and risk and compliance and underwriting. That's not me. I got the team to do that. I love the aspect of raising capital and and, Mm. uh, uh, the investment side of it.
0: So broadly speaking, bounced around the news the last two days because I knew this podcast was coming up and cannabis, marijuana, all of it, it's constantly in the news Broadly speaking, where are we in the legality issues of cannabis?
1: Oh, that's a great question. And I, I might even have to ask or answer that question by asking another one, which is, how do you define legality? Because part of the challenge, particularly for financial institutions or cannabis entities around payments, is that it is federally illegal, Schedule One substance, but in many states it is legal. So there's that dichotomy between the federal regulations and the state regulations. Having said that, now there's another definition of legality as it pertains really to the payments industry and the banking, which is something called the Safe Banking Act. And that would give safe harbor to financial institutions, insurance companies, payment networks that want to supply these types of services to the cannabis industry. So that's why I say Steve, where are we with the legality issues of cannabis? Federally, well there's a lot going on as far as legalizing or descheduling or safe banking act to provide that safe harbor and of course we're seeing more and more states coming to legalize it either medicinally or for adult rec- recreational use.
0: And I know just a couple of weeks ago In uh, the U.S., Justice Clarence Thomas called the federal laws a hodgepodge. (laughs) I I take that as a bellwether. I mean, are we getting to the point where they're going to do the right thing and just get it done or step back?
1: Yeah, another great point. And when people like uh, uh, a justice, uh, like uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, makes those those types of comments, I, I think it's always that almost a parable: small steps often then result in big results down the road, or small habits to, to big results, and that's what we're seeing. There is this historical context of cannabis, particularly as it relates to marijuana. And that a lot of those perceptions are very much changing in society today at all levels of lawmaking in particular. So, uh, yeah, you're right. It, this is a bit of a bellwether, and, and it's going to take a few more of these smaller steps for ultimately coming to the conclusion of a full legalization.
0: In our earlier call, you told me about the distinctions and promise of industrial hemp and the challenges they're facing just doing business. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, and and well, it, it's it's something that as as a leader in compliance uh, banking as it relates to cannabis entities for compliant payment solutions and facilitating payments, we often get calls from cannabis companies, uh, whether they're dispensaries, whether they're working at the THC level, you know, the direct uh, THC, the, 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 actual marijuana entities. Sure. In fact, I received a call one time. It was from a gentleman in California. And he said, Ralph, Ralph, help me. I just had my banking all shut down. I just got a letter from my bank with a $3.7 million cashier's check attached, and they shut down all of our banking. Oh man. And, and you can imagine how difficult now it is as any bit for any business to conduct business if you can't pay employees, You know your payroll, benefits, insurance, paying vendors, paying suppliers, all of that in that moment changed for this gentleman. And of course, Steve, you know this. If you don't have a bank account, how much is a $3.7 million cashier's check worth?
0: exactly not a lot exactly not not even the paper it's printed on yeah
1: now you ask about industrial hemp because back in 2018 the farm bill that is now fully legislated and is fully in effect legalized hemp and hemp being defined as having less than 0.3 percent thc So there's a a fast growing segment of the cannabis world for industrial hemp. And through hemp seeds to to produce superfoods, hemp fibers, we're seeing car body parts being made of of industrial hemp, biofuels, bioplastics, textiles are, are utilizing industrial hemp. This is a fast growing sector. And we're now starting to receive calls from industrial hemp companies that have said, ah, our bank won't allow us to do this payment, or even similar to that gentleman in California, their banking all of a sudden got shut down, even though it's fully legal. And that's just one of the, you know, you call about the disruptive or, or the troublemaking aspect of this industry. That's just guilty by association. Yep. Because the bank just looked at it and said, well, hemp is hemp is hemp. And that's not directly true. There's different categories, different definitions within that hemp and overall cannabis category. So these industrial hemp companies are contacting us saying, uh, can you help me get a bank account? I want to sell my product, sell my biomass, sell you know cultivators. I want to sell to such and such an entity in such and such a state. Uh, my bank's not allowing me to, to send the money. And more commonly now we're getting Steve comments of, oh, we want to buy from this company in Europe or this company in Canada. And my bank's not allowing me to facilitate those those payments. So that's where we come in. That's what we do, working with those entities, working with, with being able to facilitate those those payments. So
0: can you give us a bit of the history of what went wrong here.
1: <laughs> it goes back to well even back to 1937 and even back before that around the William Randolph Hearst days, uh, the paper a newspaper magnet and him having timber mills and uh, of course that those timber timberland and mills being utilized to manufacture paper uh, pulp for the newspaper industry. And there being some competitive threats from hemp. And uh, that all translated into, back in about the 1937 timeframe, the Marijuana Tax Act. That was put into place. And then that even went into further on into history when, in 1970, uh, marijuana was put under the Controlled Substances Act. Mm-hmm. But that lumped everything together, all cannabis, all hemp. So in North America, uh, we've seen a real setback, particularly to the industrial hemp market and industry relative to other jurisdictions around the world. So it's, that's, that's what I mean, Steve, by this stigma. This stigma is changing. So when we see Justice Clarence Thomas making these, this comment, it's going to be those little steps, those little movements forward that are disruptive the industry. And we'll continue to see more favorable feelings toward the the plant, toward cannabis, toward hemp, toward marijuana. And we are starting to see that as a result of more and more states in particular looking at it from a a medicinal perspective.
0: So with that as a background, tell us how ICS and Greenlight Payments actually can help. What are you doing that's making things possible for these people?
1: Well, on the ICS side, Integrated Compliance Solutions, we started back in 2014. We're one of the longest standing cannabis banking compliance firms, having been used really by more financial institutions and more cannabis-related businesses than, than many of our peers on the street today. And we help those financial institutions get over that nervousness of dealing with cannabis related businesses to to supplying cannabis related businesses with what many other businesses take for granted which is basic bank services and the the banks do have to be careful the banks have federal oversight fdic occ regulations and that's why they have to be mindful of having the right programs the right what are in technical terms, called risk assessments, policies, and procedures in place to meet regulatory requirements. Banks, there's not a single bank in the U.S. that has got in trouble for banking the sector. Not one. Nobody has been put in handcuffs. (laughs) Nobody's been put into orange jumpsuits and hauled off. Where they have got in trouble is when they don't have the appropriate risk assessments, policies, and procedures, and staff, and everything in place. That's one reason they get into trouble. Or they get into trouble if they don't know they're banking the sector. But that's where we come in. We help them put all of that end-to-end program into place. And we take these financial institutions to the appropriate regulators, share the business plan with the regulators so that they know and they feel comfortable with the program that the financial institution is putting into place. And that's on the ICS side. That's for the deposit side of the business, mm-hmm. the bank accounts. And then on the Greenlight Payments side of it, we help facilitate payments whether it be at the dispensary level. Uh, that's actually on the ICS side of it that we do that. The Greenlight Payments is not involved in any way, shape, or form with anything on the THC side. Right. Uh, we do do all of the legal and hemp-derived CBD under the Greenlight uh, Payment subsidiary, and we're the premier payment processor for online CBD merchants uh, currently in the U.S., and even the online CBD merchants require a heightened level of scrutiny, risk monitoring, compliance, and underwriting to meet all of the Visa and the MasterCard requirements. So that's what we do on the, on the Greenlight Payment side of it. And then back to ICS, we help with dispensary owners in particular be able to facilitate payments from consumers. Because one of the big challenges has been, Steve, that a lot of dispensaries have had to deal with all cash. Wow. And all cash is very expensive. Uh, And untraceable. Yeah, for a business. It's expensive because now you need armored courier services, additional problems with theft. And getting that cash into the banking system has its challenges. And we actually have solutions, fully compliant solutions for dispensary owners to be able to accept payments from consumers that are not cash oriented. So it helps them with operating their business.
0: So I heard a lot of, it sounds to me, consultative approach that you're taking with people. Is that right?
1: It is. It is. And uh, I think we even go one more step further. And, and that's that's a little bit of the troublemaker aspect of it, <laughs> which is, it, it, if, if you look at the, the consultative sales approach, it, it's really being able to determine the needs, of course, of the end client. And we do take very much that approach. But sometimes within the cannabis world, Michael Patterson, one of our advisory board members, he has a favorite saying within the cannabis world, which is you don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes at the merchant level, whether it's an online CBD merchant, whether it's a dispensary owner, even some of the people at the banking level, they don't necessarily know what they don't know about the industry. And that's because it's a new industry. Even though the plant is very old, the industry is very young. We consider ourselves to be pioneers in this. Yeah. And Steve, sometimes as pioneers, you take a couple of arrows in the back.
0: (laughs) We talked about that. Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that's why it's one step further from the consultative needs approach. Sometimes it's a case Of going in as a bit of a troublemaker Mm -hmm. and shaking them up a little bit, telling those stories of about a $3.7 million cashier's check. What if that were you? What if you couldn't make payroll? What if your banking was shut down? It's what if your payments were shut down and all of a sudden you had to go back to all cash. Mm -hmm. So that's the, you know, that's the approach that the experience that we bring and then then you uh, automatically go to the consultative approach which of course is 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 finding the best solutions for these these cannabis entities whether it's industrial hemp a dispensary in California industrial hemp cultivator in Kentucky it is about finding those best solutions yep so they can facilitate the growth of their business
0: it's lifeblood of the business you know
1: it is It is. Yeah. And it's something, as I say, a a lot of businesses take their banking for granted. And uh, in the cannabis world, it's not necessarily that. Yes, more banks are coming on stream. They're becoming more acceptable, just like the industry is becoming more acceptable. But that doesn't mean we get complacent in the underwriting, the risk monitoring, the compliance programs. We still have to be vigilant around that.
0: So, Ralph, you and your team are in acquisition mode. You told me that in a previous call, which is great. In our earlier conversation, it was just absolutely clear to me that you're a born troublemaker. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, do you worry about the transfer, the ability to transfer that culture into these acquisitions?
1: So, here at ICS, we've already made two acquisitions in the past. Uh, Greenlight Payments back in 2018, that is our, our payment processing uh, subsidiary, and back in two thousand and eighteen, we acquired Greenlight Payments. We poured all of our expertise, our IP, our cannabis knowledge into it, and that's what's led to it becoming the the premier payment processor for online CBD merchants mm-hmm. uh, in the U.S. And we had to take, you know, that. That, that troublemaker uh, approach and transfer some of that culture, in fact, all of that culture to it. And maybe a, a, a slightly different approach is a, an acquisition we did last year, which is Sterling Compliance out of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do traditional bank compliance training and consulting. They have bank and financial institution and fintech clients right across the US. That's a slightly different approach because now they deal more on the traditional aspect of banking and financial services. So they're not necessarily the troublemakers that we are on the cannabis side, but we share expertise back and forth. And some of their banks have questions about cannabis banking, and they can come to ICS, or they have questions about payment solutions. They can come to Greenlight Payments. So we mm-hmm. share back and forth there. But as far as transferring that troublemaker that troublemaker culture, I see that as being part of the process of the qualitative due diligence that goes into any acquisition. And you know this, Steve, that when you acquire a company, it's exhaustive quantitative due diligence. You look at the financial statements, look at the background of the current management team, but at the same time, there's the qualitative aspect of it, which is, do they have that culture? Do they fit that mold of being able to be that pioneer. yeah, And that's absolutely crucial. So you can't quantify that. That's about sitting down, understanding how they grew to where they are. Uh, Have they been a troublemaker? Have they been a pioneer in what they're doing right now? And we have two acquisition targets that we're working on uh, and, and raising capital for with our investment banking partners. And that is part of our due diligence. It's part of what we look at which is the qualitative aspect of the culture of the firms that we, that we are acquiring. Yeah. So, yeah, we look at it.
0: And you look for a few arrows in their back, I imagine.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we look for the scars. We look for the bruises.
0: <laughs> so, Ralph, to a CBD store owner or chain of stores, what's the user experience like with Greenlight Payments, even before they decide to do it? Give me a little more about that.
1: Yeah. See, this this gets back to stability of payments because even some of the online CBD merchants, their challenges can be that their payments are suddenly shut down. Now, you can imagine walking into your virtual office in the morning and you're finding your website no longer has payments. Mm -hmm. Well, you can't transact business at that point. So that's why these online CBD merchants they love robust and stable compliant programs. And we put them through the ringer. (laughs) It is a very detailed underwriting process. It's a very detailed ongoing risk compliance and monitoring process as well, to make sure that they do meet FDA requirements of what they can say on their website about CBD products so we do have proprietary monitoring uh processes and strategies and that's not to have big brother watching it's a true partnership at that point in time to make sure that the cbd merchant knows what they can and what they cannot do what they can and cannot say what they can or cannot sell on their website so that they are satisfying the needs of the networks, the, the visas, the MasterCards, and they want to meet those requirements so that they can continue to transact business, they can continue to stay in business. That's why they turn to us. And that's why they, they appreciate the, the uh, underwriting process and the you know, ongoing monitoring that we have in place for these, these leaders in the CBD world.
0: I imagine they're tremendously relieved Someone who knows as much as your company does is coming in and walking them through it.
1: Yeah. And uh, particularly those that have had difficulties with their previous processor who may not accept CBD clients or and and they got shut, you know, the the merchant that came to us got shut down because of that. Our reputation is definitely expanding and, and rapidly increasing in the marketplace for those that are coming to the to the CBD world. And we're starting to see CBD being put into other products, whether it be nutraceuticals, whether network marketing companies are starting to have CBD products as part of their network marketing efforts. And it's those companies that are turning to us as well for our expertise, because their traditional payment processors may not allow them to, to continue on transacting once CBD comes into their product line. So a lot of those entities are, are turning to us as well, Steve.
0: That's great. What would you say to entrepreneurs out there? What, what is one really great piece of advice that you've learned?
1: If we're looking at growth strategies, everybody wants to grow their business yep. and grow it smartly and grow it quickly. And this goes back to my investment background in raising capital, where I have, I don't know how many investor decks, pitch decks I've looked at or listened to pitches and rightfully so a lot of entrepreneurs want to raise capital and their use of funds is to grow their business, hire more people, enter new markets, buy new equipment to expand their business. But rarely do I see what I believe is a really solid growth strategy that even an entrepreneur that's putting together a business plan as a startup should consider right away, which is grow by acquisition. It is a great strategy for any sector, for any business within any part of their growth cycle. Entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, they should all at least pause for a moment, take pause, To consider a growth by acquisition strategy and look at what that could mean for the existing business whether it be acquiring and integrating vertically or growing horizontally and doing horizontal integration it all depends on the business Mm -hmm. but i i do see steve not many entrepreneurs considering that as one of their ways to continually grow and expand their business and grow and expand it in a in a quick fashion so rather than necessarily say oh we're going to expand into this market this is the use of funds what about acquiring a company already in that market that already has the expertise the presence the infrastructure there that is something that a non-entrepreneur should consider
0: yeah I actually did it with my first agency. We wanted to expand the footprint. I opened with New York and Richmond, Virginia. Right. Then we, got into, we bought a guy in um, Charlotte. And it worked out great. He had, he had certain skills we didn't have too, which was great.
1: Exactly. And, and in my opinion, in my years of experience, a, a growth by acquisition strategy can also be a good way of setting up an exit strategy to eventually sell to someone else. Hmm. Because if you've done acquisitions, roll-up, bolt-on uh, strategies, you're, I would suggest, a better acquisition target for someone else as well. You've already got that experience.
0: That's great advice. I, I love that. So uh, on a personal note, when and how did you come to figure out that you're a troublemaker? well uh,
1: short of getting my mom on the line (laughs) well you know it it's so interesting in the world of of fintechs in particular we are a fintech we we see ourselves as that we're growing on that basis and taking that approach particularly in the world of financial institutions and particularly as it relates to to cannabis it's pretty easy in the world of cannabis to shake things up, whether it be on the banking side, of the deposit, whether it be on the payment side of it. It's just really a part of the culture of the industry as a whole. Yeah, you know, and I love our bank clients. In fact, I would suggest to you, our bank clients that have taken that step into the cannabis world, they're troublemakers in and of themselves. They are pioneers. They are disruptive. They're willing to to take on that risk, but absolutely immediately mitigate that risk to meet all regulatory requirements and be on side with all regulators, as we do on the payments side of it, to be on side with all network rules. But I realized early on, even in the world of investment, that has traditions attached to it that has regulations uh, attached to it. You have to stay within the regulatory framework, but you also don't wanna stay just within that traditional approach. Look for ways to stand above the crowd, look for ways to be that disruptive. And in some ways, one of the other pieces of advice and recommendations that I often give to entrepreneurs is Get really minute. Look at targeting on a, not even on a niche basis, but maybe even a sub niche, maybe even sub sub niche. And if there's one thing we've learned over this past year and all this craziness around a pandemic, a lot can be accomplished online.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And when you are online, it's very easy to get micro and hyper targeted to your clients, to your best clients, redefine that. And It's easy to find out, much easier to find out where a sub-niche target audience hangs out online than if you try to be everything to everybody. That's what I think troublemakers have to do today, is really get targeted. Get minute.
0: Yeah, I like that. Yeah.
1: Get focused. And the online world, we're seeing that with our CBD merchants. Boy, some of them are getting really specialized. In certain areas, do that. Try that on, because you will find and be able to convert and target much easier if you get to that level of minutia, that sub niche.
0: Yeah, my marketing brain's going as you said all that because I, I, I absolutely <laughs> I believe would. that. Yeah, that's great yeah. stuff, Ralph. Thank you.
1: I love what you're doing with uh, you and your team, Steve. I, I think this troublemaker, this disruptive approach works in every industry. We see it in the banking side of it. And banking is a traditional, highly regulated industry. And if it can work there, if it can work on banking, if it can work in financial services, investment side of it, I know that can translate very well into into other sectors that that I I know you do so well in, so that that gets really back down to to being that troublemaker and, and looking for opportunities to stand apart, stand apart at, at uh, every opportunity one has.
0: Yeah, always swing for the fences, never the midfield. That's right. To learn more about Ralph Kaiser, ICS and Greenlight payments, go to greenlightpayments.com and go to. ICSLV.com From there you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. And I just want to point out how cool that is. How many financial companies are on Instagram? This has been a Trouble Group podcast. Learn more about us at TroubleGroup.com If you're a troublemaker and want to be on the podcast email us at Steve at TroubleGroup.com Oh,